You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Well, happy Father's Day to all you dads. Uh, My kids gave me an early Father's Day gift yesterday so I could wear it today, and so I wore it for you guys. Says world's okayest dad, and so at least I'm raising honest kids. And I'm like, yeah, it could be worse, you know. Uh, so I'm I'm good with okayest. Uh, so happy Father's Day to to all the dads out here. Uh, I wanted to begin by telling you a story. Uh, back in uh, freshman year in college, I was went to a small group, and and uh, I, we were late. We're always late. The curls are like ten minutes late is on time for us. And so we I was running late, and. And I got to the small group, and they're all seated, and, and they're doing the icebreaker stuff where you share your name and something about yourself. And, and I get there, and the leader says, hey, me, <clears throat> excuse me, hey, Matt, um, we're sharing our name, you know, what school we go to, and our most embarrassing moment. And I was like, oh, all right. And so I sit down, and then they all look at me, and they're like, oh, it's, it's your turn. We've all gone. I was like, okay. Um, my name's Matt. I go to Metropolitan State College of Denver, home of the Roadrunners. Woo. Um, and, and I'm a freshman. And uh, they said, in your most embarrassing moment, I said, okay, well, uh, it goes back to my freshman year in high school. I was in Spanish class. It was second semester. I knew a little bit of Spanish, but I wasn't very good at it. And uh, no bien. And, and so I'm do- in Spanish, and I have started feeling sick. I'm feeling really sick to my stomach, and I realize I, I need to throw up. And so I, I go to the teacher, and I, I say, can I, go, can I leave? Can I go use the restroom? She goes, uh-uh-uh, in an espanol. I was like, oh. Uh, I said, uh, yo... Uh, necesitamos ir. She goes, oh, not necesitamos, necesito, grammar. And I was like, oh, who cares? And I'm going to feel so sick. <clears throat> and I said, yo, necesito ir all. And I just went blank <clears throat> on what the word was for bathroom. And I went blank, and I couldn't think of it. And I was like, ir all. And she goes, oh. Mm. And I said, uh, bathroom, bathroom. And she goes, no, en español. And at that moment, it comes out, not bano, but my vomit, right? And so I'm in front of the class, and I just let loose, and I throw up on the teacher. It gets on the chalkboard, on the ground, on the wall, everywhere. And so, and then I turn, and I throw up again, and and she goes, go, here, vamos, vamos. And, and so I take off running, and I throw up in the hallway on, our, on my way to the bathroom. I get to the bathroom, and I just bust into a stall, pass a kid that's smoking in the, in the bathroom, the one other one that's not in class, right? And so I'm throwing up in there, and finally I get done. And I come out, and this kid offers me a cigarette. And I was like, he's like, hey, man, that's bad. You want a cigarette? I was like, no, thanks. And he's like, are you sure? It'll make you feel better. I was like, I don't, I don't think it will. And um, <clears throat> so then I go to the nurse's station, and I call my mom. And, I, you know, I'm a little kid, uh, freshman. I'm like, oh, Mom, I threw up all over my teacher in the classroom, in the hallway, in the bathroom. This kid's smoking off of me a cigarette. And, and I need you to come pick me up. And she's like, yeah, they shouldn't be smoking in school. And I was like, Mom. That doesn't matter right now. Come get me. And so she's all right. So I head back and I gotta go get my stuff from the locker. And my mom's on her way. 
And uh, I think, okay, I'm definitely not going near the Spanish class, right? And so my locker, freshman lockers are upstairs. So I go and I'm walking and I turn to go up the, the certain stairwell. And I turn and I face the stairwell and there's my entire Spanish class sitting on the stairs. They had to leave the room as it was being cleaned and fumigated. My Spanish teacher is there in gym clothes that she got from the gym teacher because she had to change. And I'm just mortified and the whole entire class just stands up and starts cheering for me, and, it's like, ah, and I turn and just run, and and so I share this, and these guys in the small group are just laughing, and and I think, oh, they're enjoying the story, and then they they, and then I'm like, and so that's my most embarrassing moment, and the leader says, Matt, all of us just shared our favorite ice cream flavor. No one shared that. <laughs> no one shared their most embarrassing moment. That was a trick. We didn't think you'd actually do it. It's like, oh, and now I have my new most embarrassing moment, right? And so, I share this in light of today we are going through, uh, we're continuing our series into connecting from a distance, looking at spiritual habits. And today we're looking at confession. Confession, and so in light of that story and in light of the need for confession, we're going to just share our deepest, darkest sin and secret right now out loud. Everyone will just yell it, and then uh, we'll go bring the band back, and we're done in a couple minutes, right? We'll be done with this lesson. So on the count of three, yell out what you've done, all right? One, two, no, just kidding, all right. I was worried <clears throat> that what if I got to three just as a joke, and, and I didn't think anyone would say, but what if one guy in the back's like, I murdered someone, and I'd be like, ah, and, you know, and just one guy, we're like, okay, so we got something to work on. Um, and so, th this week is on confession. Don't worry, I don't think you're going to come away from this week having confessed in front of everyone, unless for some odd reason this plays out differently than first hour, <laughs> and I don't know why that would be, other than that's on you guys, if you just want to shout it out. But... You're not going to have to confess in front of everyone. Often when we think of confession, we think of like the Catholic ritual of going to confessional. You're not going to be going to a little booth and, and sharing something with one of the pastors here on staff. But what I hope, what I think, what I hope and desire is that you'll walk away from here with an appreciation for confession because what that leads to is an appreciation of grace, of God's forgiveness of this beautiful thing that is grace that we receive at the end of confession, of all the spiritual disciplines, many of them are, bring us closer to God, but this one has a very concrete, real thing at the end of this discipline. That when we go before the Lord and we ask him to search us and we see what's inside and we, and we confess that and we let go of the sin and we let go of the blotting, there's grace instantly. There's forgiveness right then and there. So I pray at the end of this morning that as you walk away from church today, we'll have a new appreciation, not just for confession, but for what's on the other side of it, is this grace and forgiveness. Let me paint a picture that might be described some of you today, maybe some of you in the past, or at least it's probably described someone you know, that you've committed this sin You've done something wrong. We often put qualifiers for it. Maybe it's a big sin or a small sin. Either way, it's something that you've committed and it's eating away at you. And you've gone to the Lord and you've confessed it. And you know the Bible says you're forgiven, but, but it just doesn't feel like it. You feel like maybe there should be something different at this moment of confession. And you're carrying still this weight of this, this burden, this sin. 
Perhaps you've been carrying around this weight and, and, you, and you tried and you begged for God and you pleaded with him, just let me know that I'm forgiven. Let me feel different. And you don't yet. And so then you start, your mind starts racing and you wonder, well, maybe God, maybe he wouldn't forgive what I did. Or maybe he wasn't even listening. And, th- and then you start feeling bad to think those thoughts. And so now you have something new to, to feel bad about, something new to confess. And so this becomes just a snowball that's just rolling and piling and getting bigger and bigger. And so you want to let it go, but you can't seem to. And so somehow we end up justifying and we say, okay, I believe in forgiveness. I believe in God's grace, but I think that's going to be an eternal thing. I think I'm going to get that forgiveness later in heaven. But for now, this is a burden I have to carry. That might describe some of you this morning. Probably describes at least someone you know. That they've done something in the past that just can't seem to let it go. That that pain just keeps welling up and it keeps being this reminder. And instead of embracing the forgiveness and grace, we get caught up in the sin and keep getting reminded and holding on to that. And so this morning, I hope we walk away from it knowing this grace that's at the end of this confession time. I hope that we can dive into that. And we'll begin by looking at Psalm 139. There's two verses at the end of that psalm David has that, that are great description. As we come approach confession, we need to look within and see what it is that we need to confess in the first place. And David says, verse 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I love this idea of search me, God. Let me know what it is that I need to repent from. Let me know what it is I need to confess. And so if we look at these verses, it's a beautiful way to say that. But to fully appreciate these verses, we got to look at the whole chapter. And so if we go back to the beginning of this chapter, Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4 begins. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. That story I I shared earlier describes you. That you're carrying this burden that you can't seem to let go of. This guilt. Let's remember what David says here. God's been with us all along. If we're struggling with the thought that God could never forgive, if he, if he really knew what was on my heart, if he really knew what I was thinking, he would never forgive those. He does know. He does know what you're thinking. He does know. He's been with you all along from your coming and goings. He's with us all the time. And so as we sit there and think about this guilt and these sins that we're struggling to let go of, know this, that God has been there all along. He was there when this happened. He knows that it happened. This is not a surprise to him. The passage continues on to help us see even more intimately how much God knows us. Verse 7 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee your presence? Verse 12, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. He's everywhere. And even the darkest part of our soul, he is light and he sees and he knows passage continues to describe this intimacy of which God has with us, with you and me. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God's been with us from the, our comings and goings. He knows our thoughts, everything on our, the words on our tongue. And here it even says he knit us together in our mother's womb. He created us for a purpose. And he knew what we would do. He created us knowing that that mistake, that sin, that struggle you've, you have or you had, he knew that would happen. And he still chose to create us. He still chose to bring us into existence. He still chose to have a relationship with us. And so when we see this, this thing that we think, can't think God would forgive, know this, he knew that was coming all along. And he still created you for a purpose, to bring him glory. And so the passage now takes a weird turn. David's been describing this interaction between God and him. Search me, God. You've known me, God. You've created me in my mother's womb. And then it goes to this weird idea of of, of violence. And, And verse 19 says, If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do, not, do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and harbor, uh, bore those who are, rebellion, uh, who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. It seems out of place, right? You got this passage, and he's looking inward, and then he just does this thing that, that many of the, the Hebrew writers would do, that you would align yourself against God's enemies as a way of aligning yourself with God. And so you would write and you would proclaim, I hate the, the enemies of the Lord, and it's saying, I am with the Lord. And so he does something very natural, but it doesn't seem to fit here. Or maybe it does. He's been going on and on about searching within, about God knowing him all along. And then he gets to this part about God's enemies. I can't help but wonder, maybe he's seen those inside himself. He's seen the things that he knows God hates, the things that God detests, the sin. And he sees those and he says, My, your enemies, don't I hate what you hate? Aren't I on your side? That he sees those things in himself and he says, I don't want to be this. I don't know about you, but I've been at moments like that, that I don't want to have this in me. I don't want to be struggling with this sin. I don't want, I want to be on your side, God. Look what is in me. It's your enemies. That maybe as David's looking within, it's easy to spot the, the outward sins we've committed, but maybe these, are, maybe these are more hidden. Maybe these are the sins of pride and the sins of hate, the sins of anger, the sins of racism, the sins of all these things that are inside that God is revealing. And he sees the enemies of God within himself And then the passage continues, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Perhaps he's not even saying, search me, God. He's saying, because he already knows God's been there all along. God created him. Perhaps he's saying, search me. Help me search me. Let's find those things that I need to let go of. Those enemies of God. Those things that you detest, let me detest those as well and turn from them. And so a big part of confession 
A big part of confession as a spiritual discipline begins with looking inward, with seeing what is inside and being able to dive into that and being, asking God to reveal it, to reveal the things you need to let go of, to reveal the things we need to move on from. And so David lies that out beautifully in Psalm 139, that God's been there all along. Reveal these things so we can move forward in this idea of confession. Once these things are revealed, we have to have true sorrow for them. We have to have regret. Not simply because our spouse tells us to or because a self-help book tells us that's wrong, but because the sin is detestable to God. Because, it turned, because it's, it's the hatred towards God, that's why we should turn away and that's why we should be coming to him with confession. It's because this is an offense to our creator brooding inside of us. And then as we continue to search within, as we have that, that regret, that sorrow, we need to act upon it and turn away and sin no more. The woman caught in adultery, you guys probably are familiar with that story, a group bring this woman, she's been caught in adultery, and they only bring the woman, they don't also bring the man. But they bring her, and they lay her at Jesus' feet, and, and they all have stones, and they say, Jesus, shouldn't we stone her, because that's what the law tells us. Jesus proclaims anyone that's perfect, those that haven't done anything wrong, be the first to throw the stone. And they begin to drop their stones at their feet and walk off. And eventually it's just Jesus and the woman there, and he turns to her and says, go now and leave your life of sin. He didn't just tell her to leave. He didn't just tell her he loves her, which is important because he does, but he also tells her to change. Something very real that we need to take heart of. If we truly are coming before the Lord and confessing, it means we need to strive to change that behavior that brought us there in the first place. We need to, to confess and look to repent, to turn away, to change. And then when we do this and we come before the Lord and we confess, we search within and we regret it and we plan on turning away and we come and tell this to the Lord, then something beautiful happens. Like I said, instantly we receive God's grace because it's there already. We receive his forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We can rejoice because we don't have to search for this forgiveness. We don't have to search for grace. We don't have to continue to beat ourselves over and over again as we think about that because it's already there. We have received this grace. If we confess, God will make us, remove from us all unrighteousness. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Isn't that great that, that forgiveness is there? That on the cross, Jesus took our sins and bore our shame. On the cross, Jesus died taking all that you and I have done, the things that we struggle to let go of, was released on the cross. As Jesus hung on the cross and, and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because, as I feel, he cried out because he was experiencing the weight of all our sins coming upon him. 
Oh, your sins, my sins, the sins from the past, sins from the future, all the sins are coming upon Jesus Christ. And a few minutes later, he cries out, it is finished, because he has taken those all on. And then three days later, he raises from the dead. The stone is rolled away. He walks out, and he has conquered death. He has conquered the cross. He has conquered our sins. And so because of that, we can come to him with confession and receive his grace and forgiveness at that moment because they are wiped clean. Now, as we talk about grace, we would do a disservice if we don't point out that it makes it sound so easy. Oh, I just need to come to him and confess. And, and yes, the grace is there, and yes, the forgiveness is there, but it doesn't mean that we could just continue on sinning, on sinning, on sinning, because grace will abound and abound and abound. Paul talks about this. He says in Romans chapter 6, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So it doesn't mean that we just continue to sin because he'll continue to forgive. Part of that confession is the desire to go and sin no more. To turn away and pursue him. And so I love this as a spiritual discipline, as a, as a habit, as a way to connect with God from a distance, is this idea of confession, because at that moment, we also receive this idea of grace, of forgiveness. It's a beautiful thing. And so perhaps this morning, I want to ask you, when was the last time you, you truly came before the Lord with a confessing spirit? When was the last time you came before the Lord and, and let go of something? When was the last time that you came before God and, and shared and asked him, search me, Lord. It's going to be painful. It's going to be messy. But reveal to me the, the places that I have stains, the places that I have blots, the places that I need to, to examine, to confess, to turn away from. When was the last time you did that? These spiritual practices, these disciplines, aren't just ideas to do in theory. We, we've, throughout the series, tried to give practical ways to try these and, and tried to give ways that we could actually do it. And that's what we're going to have this morning is an extended time for communion, to be able to go and, and just spend some time with God, perhaps confessing something. Not to each other, and, and if you need prayer, we have a prayer room, and we'd love to pray with you, but, but also just to spend some time between you and God, and confess. The spiritual disciplines are often broken into three categories. There's the inward ones, which are, deals our relationship with God, it's more internal, like prayer and study. There's outward ones that, that we connect to God by doing something outwardly. So, for example, the Sabbath or, or service. And then there's corporate ones, that we connect to God by doing something together, such as worship, we looked at last week. And next week, we're closing it out by looking at celebration. But the art of confessing, the discipline of confessing, I feel like kind of falls in all three, right? There's this uh, opportunity for us to confess and, and draw closer to God as we talk to him, as we receive his grace and forgiveness. 
Perhaps it's an outward one. Perhaps there's someone that you've wronged and, and you need to make right. Maybe they're in this room. Maybe, maybe they're, they're not. You need to go make a phone call or a text message today, maybe right now, to be able to make that right with that person as well. But I also feel that confession is a corporate discipline. Because I, I love this idea to think that each one of us in here, believe it or not, needs to confess. Each one of us in here has sinned. Each one of us has that burden. And so if you look to your left and to your right, that person sitting next to you is someone that needs to confess as well. And so it's neat when you see it corporately because it allows us to realize that we're all human. Oftentimes in a church, we, we think that everyone else is a saint and not us. You think that everyone else is headed on the, the fast track to heaven and I'm struggling to get my way through. Instead of realizing we're all in this together. Richard Foster puts it this way. I, I love how he words this. We all too often view the believing community as a fellowship of saints before we see it as a fellowship of sinners. We feel that everyone else has advanced so far into holiness and we are isolated in our own sin. We think everyone else has it together. But if we know that the people of God are first a fellowship of sinners, we are freed to hear the unconditional call of God's love and to confess our needs openly before our brothers and, sinners, uh, our brothers and sisters. It's kind of a neat thing to think as you look across this room, this is full of sinners. And you can look to your left, your right, and if you're with your spouse and you don't feel safe looking at them, look up here. I'm a sinner too. So is everyone on this stage. So is everyone in this room. And that's what I love about this discipline. If you think this morning, we're going to take some time to confess, to get right with God. And grace is going to come and abound. Forgiveness is over, going to overflow. And as you look around, each person here is forgiven. Each person here is bathed in God's grace. And so we have stations of communion around the room. And communion for us to go and partake in, in the juice and the bread to be reminded of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And his victory over sin, his victory over our sins. And so like I said, we're going to have extended time. And I want to encourage you to, to spend some time in confession. Perhaps if you need, there are rugs all around the room. Feel free to go and just kneel. Spend some time with God. Perhaps you just want to stay in your chair with your head down and spend some time with him. Ask God to search you if you're willing. And I say if you're willing because it takes, it takes humility to come before the Lord and have him reveal those things that you need to let go of, those things that you need to confess, those things that we need to turn away from. And when you've spent that time with the Lord, head to communion. And as you go to communion, look around and see each and every person headed that way has received God's grace. Each and every person has received God's forgiveness. Each one of us, you and me, are a sinner. And we are so thankful to have Jesus Christ take away those sins. If you'll pray with me and then we'll have this time where it's just silent between you and God. If you want to get up and go to the rugs, great. And whenever you're ready, 
head on over to the communion tables and partake in, in communion. God, we just come to you right now and thank you for your love. God, we are so appreciative of your grace, your unforgiveness, your forgiveness, your grace. God, as we come right now, I pray that some hearts are broken. I pray that you reveal what we all need to see in ourselves. Reveal the stains and the mess. Those things that maybe we've been holding on to. God, let us put it over to you. Let us confess those things. God, at that moment, let us receive your grace. And let us know that that is so real, that it is alive, that the forgiveness is for anything we could have done because, God, you've known us from the beginning and you knew we would do these things. You still created us. God, let us come before you and just be bathed in your grace. As we go to communion, let us rejoice in our forgiveness after we have first confessed in your name.